Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things we've said in this series so far, that it's very important to note that the verse begins with, thank you. That if we expect to live a life of victory, we need to be a grateful people. If we expect to live a life of victory, we should be telling God thank you throughout the day and every day. We should start our morning with thanksgiving to God. So, well, Pastor, nothing's happened yet. You woke up. You have breath in your body. Something has happened. Something good to you already happened. You opened your eyes. And you know that your God is good. He does good things, and he's good to you, so you should have a reason to say thank you in advance. So we start our day in thanksgiving to God. We believe that he's a man of his word. We believe he'll do exactly what he said. And if he said that he gives us the victory, then we should just say thank you. We should have enough confidence in the character of God to say thank you before he even shows up, before we even see it, before we even got out of bed, before you even had your coffee. Thank you, because I know you. It doesn't matter what happens. doesn't matter what Satan does today. It doesn't matter what trifling people do today. doesn't matter what I see on the news. Thank you, because I know I'm on the winning side. I know I have the victory. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Something else we poured out of here is that victory is a gift. Victory is a gift. What happens with a gift? You just have to receive it. So that means I just receive victory. So I, it's a decision. Because if I were to give Minister Nathan my phone, he would still have to take it, right? He could say, nah, I don't want it. Nah, I'm not going to take a few steps to take it. He would still have to take it. And a lot of us, the victory that we want this year is on the battlefields of life. That you're not going to get victory if you just ignore stuff. And pretend it doesn't exist. And sweep it under the rug. And hide it somewhere. That if you want victory, you're going to have to confront some things. You're going to have to show up on the battlefields of life. And you're going to have to believe that God will give you the victory when you show up and when you step up. You say, well, did you see the news? Yes, I saw the news. What does that have to do with your faith? Well, did you see what they said in Washington, D.C.? I saw that, but what does that have to do with your God? I think back to some things the Holy Ghost told us at the beginning of November when he's telling us what 2021 would be. And he, he got to a part that I thought was really weird. I listened to it again. And he said, well, what about the election? And he says, what is that to you? And I began to think about it. I'm like, huh, what is that to me? Just an election. You know, as I began to think about it and pray about it at the end of the fall last year, and I was praying, and I told, I know I told Minister Kurt this and maybe a few other people, said, I'm praying, and I got in my heart that the biggest thing in the spirit realm right now is not even the election, nor the Supreme Court nomination. And so the thing is, 
and Christendom were circling around these things thinking this is the most important thing happening, but in the eyes of the Holy Ghost, it's not number one. And what happens when we get our eyes off of number one? We're open to be deceived. And so the whole thing I prayed during the last year, especially concerning the election, was like, Lord, give me your eyes for this election. Lord, give me your eyes for this election. That is a message, Jesus. Give me your eyes for this election. Let me see what you see. Because I refuse to believe that my future is completely determined by who sits on Pennsylvania Avenue. I refuse to believe that who sits in the White House is greater than my Jesus who's on the throne. So whether who I vote for wins or not, whether who has the Congress is one side or the other, Jesus is Lord. And my faith is in his lordship. My faith is in his kingdom. My faith is in his power. My faith is in his wisdom. Has not our God dealt with politicians before? So why is the church on the left and the right stressing out? He has slapped pharaohs before. And no official today is even close to a pharaoh. He's dealt with Nebuchadnezzar before, and no politician today is close to a Nebuchadnezzar. So don't stop watching the left and the right and say, what, what, what's going on? Look up. Look for where your help comes from. Look who's on the throne. And it's not a donkey or an elephant. It is the Lamb of God who will manifest in your life like the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We need to make sure our focus is in the right place. That our faith is in the right place. God is still God. And this is our year of winning and victory. Glory to God. So we receive it by faith. We take it by faith. We expect it to show up. I remember hearing how Oral Roberts closed a prayer one time. I got a chance to hear him in person. He came to our chapel, and he said, I believe it, I receive it, and I expect it to happen. I'm like, uh-oh, that's something extra on that. Because you, you can pretend you believe it. Oh, yes, I'm believing. I'm believing for something. But do you think it's going to show up today? Where's your expectation? Because if you really expect it, you make plans for it. Just like, you know, if you ever have someone come by the house to work on something and they give you a window where it may show up. From 10 a.m. to 5 a.m., that is a long window. What is going on with you? That's a... But if I really need what they're going to do, I'm going to make sure I'm at home where I can hear the doorbell so that I can answer. If I'm really in expectation, of them showing up. If I'm really in expectation of this being a year of winning and victory, that means all year long I'm looking for it. All year long I'm expecting it. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter what the news said. I'm looking on the right. I'm looking on the left. I'm looking up. I'm looking down. I'm looking all around because I expect victory. I expect to win every day and then take out enemies and have victory with my foot on the devil's neck. I have to look for it every single day. Whether I feel spiritual or not, whether I feel anointed or not, 
where I feel like I have faith or not, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, I expect it. Things ending this year in victory, long fought, hard fought battles ending in victory this year. You have to look for it. You have to expect it. Don't let a day go by you're not looking for the victory. Not expecting things to turn. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. This is a lifestyle, not a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle. Because what if you're saved by, you live by, you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through the doorway of faith. Victory comes through the doorway of faith. This is a lifestyle. So we have to talk about it. We have to look for it. We have to expect it. I remember this example. This man I got named Tim Story used years ago. He said he was walking through a neighborhood. And he said it was a neighborhood that you want to get out of by a certain time at night. And so he was walking around the corner and he saw the bus stop. And he saw everybody at the bus stop leaning down the road where the bus was supposed to come from. And so he said, this is just a unique example to him. So he went up and asked the man, and says, is this the last bus of the day? And he said, the name of the bus, the bus number, and said, yes, it is the last bus of the day. And they were leaning in, expecting that bus to show up. All year long, you need to lean in and expect the victory. You need to do the bus stop. You need to be leaning in, expecting victory in your life, expecting victory in your children's life, expecting victory in your grandparents' life, expecting victory in your extended family, life. expecting victory in your finances, victory in your health, victory in your career, victory in your community, victory in these United States of America. Not just America, United. I expect victory. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Fight the good fight of faith. As we said before, the emphasis of this verse is fight. He could just say fight in faith or use your faith to fight. But he said fight twice. And it's this phrase, the emphasis is on fight, letting you know in life you're going to have to show up to battle. Yes, we're faith people. Yes, we know we have the victory on the winning side, but that still means we have to fight. Still means we have to confront some things and show up to the battlefield. But we have to fight the good fight of faith. Not just fight, but the good fight of faith. And we said last time the good fight of faith is not just a good fight because of the outcome, but it's also the way we fight. Which means if I want to fight the good fight of faith, I have to fight with the technique that causes it to be a good fight. So this word fight means to enter a contest, to contend in the gymnastic games, to contend with adversaries, to fight. It's metaphorically means to contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers. It means to endeavor with strenuous zeal to strive to obtain something. And because of the second uses of the word, which was the same Greek word for the first one, it conveys the idea of one who has given his complete concentration to the conflict. And it's totally focused on engaging the conflict at hand and achieving victory, regardless how long it takes or how much agonizing effort is required. Here's what Brother Ritter said. It is the picture of total commitment to victory. Total commitment. To victory. And in order to fight this way and win, we need strength and technique. 
Go to Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about that strength last week. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We say this phrase, be strong, because the Greek phrase, endunamu, which means to be infused with strength, to increase in strength. It was used, Paul is very wisely using a word which the people of that time would have remembered from hearing about the myths and the legends of Hercules and people of Greek mythology who were empowered by God to do supernatural feats. So he calls on that word to give people an example of how they can be empowered by God. Which means, think about this. Most of us know the Greek story of Hercules, at least the Disney version of Hercules. And he had power and strength to do stuff that we can't do. That you think, well, if I had the strength of Hercules, I could do a lot of my everyday life more than what I need to do. It's like, I might even do some extra. You're having struggle moving that. I can do it in one hand. I got you. Oh, you need someone to push that car down the road. I got you. Just move out the way. How about you get in the car? I got you. You'd be doing extra stuff because you have more power than you need. You, right now, have more power than you need. You have more than enough power to handle whatever shows up in your day. Not just, oh, I can get through it. Handle it. You have more than enough power to handle it, but you also have enough power to make a difference in your surroundings, in your community, in your neighborhood. What God has given you access to is greater than just what you and your four need. It's for the rest of the people around you. Be strong in the Lord and the power, the force, strength, might, and dominion of his ability. You're not limited to your own ability. You have access to the very ability of the almighty, all-powerful God. You have more power and ability than you need for your everyday life. It's not just about what you need to get through. You're here to make a difference. Aren't you glad that Dr. King, number one, didn't sneeze? And number two, he didn't use just his gifting for himself and Sister Coretta and his kids. But he actually did something that made a difference for every single person in this room and everybody who lives in this nation as well as where his words reverberated throughout the world. But what if he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. The cost is too much. The cost is too great. I already got stabbed for this. I'm not going forward. Where will we be? So what was in him was more than enough just for him. It affected his generation and the future. With what's in you, who else are you supposed to impact? Not just this current generation, but also the future. You have more than enough power to not just make a difference in your life, but in the lives of those around you. You're supposed to be empowered by the Almighty God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Strength and technique. 
strength and technique. You can say with me, strength and technique. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So although we're living in a physical body, but that's not the way we are to make a difference in our everyday lives. That's not how we're called to make change. Well, if I'm going to stand up, I'm going to go knock somebody out today. You heard what they said? They need to be knocked out. I need to storm the Capitol. Oops, I'm not supposed to talk about that, am I? Although we live in the flesh, we don't do insurrections in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not limited to this flesh realm. But mighty, this word mighty means having power for something. Mighty through God to the pulling down or the demolition of strongholds. This word strongholds means castle, fortress, anything on which one relies. Strongholds, fortress, anything on which one relies. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So by this definition, and looking at verse 5, imaginations or ways of thinking or philosophies are things which people rely on. Right? Can you see that? And what if it's a false philosophy? Deceptive philosophy. Fake news philosophy. Cultist philosophy. The weapons you have demolish that philosophy. The weapons you have can take down an invisible way of thinking that people have they don't even realize they have. Because you can fight all day long, but how many know you can't make nobody do nothing? You can't make an adult do nothing. Some of like, I can't even make my kids do stuff, but I kind of convince them, persuade, and negotiate, and a whole lot of stuff to make them think I got more power than I have to. You can't make people do stuff. Especially if they're hard-headed. I know nobody in this church is hard-headed. I know nobody online is hard-headed, but we all know someone who's hard-headed, right? Who they can be hit in the back of the head by the two-by-fours of life and still go, ooh, I felt a... something scratch my head? And it's like, again and again and again, it's like, you're looking at them, when will you learn? Like, bruh, seriously. Okay. One of these things is not like the other. Let's add these things together. Two plus two equals 95. Oh, Lord, let's go again. And that you can't convince them otherwise. You can show them a picture of outer space and they still think the world is flat. 
not to mention outer space, and the word of God said it was round before the astronauts even got into space. But they're convinced. They'll show you this video they saw on Facebook. If it's on Facebook, it must be true. Okay. And they're convinced. How do I even engage or affect or impact a mindset, a philosophy, imagination like that? There's no weapon on earth that I can do that. But your weapons aren't fleshly. They're not limited to the systems of this world. They are mighty through God. Every weapon you have is mighty. Say, every weapon I have is mighty. We said that word mighty means having power to do something. So every weapon you have has power to do something. And you have a number of weapons in your arsenal. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus. You have praise. You have declarations of faith. You have speaking the word of God. You have praying in an unknown tongue. You have many weapons at your disposal. Those are just a few. Go with me to Romans chapter 13. That the weapons I have through God are mighty. They have power to do something. They can pull down strongholds and fortresses and philosophies that people rely on. Romans 13. We look at verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You know, when I see armor here, you know, I would think protective. That's what you would think, right? Things that protect you. But a couple months ago, when I was looking at this word in the Greek, it shocked me. It wasn't talking about protective gear. It's actually defined as weapons of warfare. It's not talking about protective gear. It's talking about offensive gear. It's defined as weapons of warfare. Say weapons of warfare. Here's what the New Living Translation says. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shiny armor of right living. So by context, the weapons of warfare in Romans is you living right. You living right is a weapon. You following what the word of God says is a weapon. And every weapon you have from God is mighty and has power to do something. 
So when you make a decision to live according to the word of God instead of what the world is doing, it is a weapon that has power to do something that's making an impact in the kingdom of darkness. Every decision you make to line up with the word of God and live it, not just a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing, has an impact. Every time you decide to be counterculture by doing what the Holy Ghost says instead of giving in to the culture, you're making an impact. You're making a difference. But to get even more context, back up to verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore, therefore why? The time. Therefore knowing the law of love. Cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. So that means my decisions to walk in love is a weapon. Me deciding to forgive everybody of everything is a weapon. Me deciding to love people like Jesus loves them is a weapon. Me deciding to do something like Nelson Mandela said, to not letting anybody drag me down to their level to hate them, is a weapon. Me deciding to figure out ways to reconciliation and unity, to peace for us living together as the United States of America. Learning how to live together, as Dr. King says, because if we don't, we'll perish as fools. So making this decision is a weapon. Living it out is a weapon. Doing it every day is a weapon. Doing it as a lifestyle is a weapon that changes things in this land. Changes things in our lives, in our neighborhood, in our community. Walking in love is a weapon. So if I walk in love, I can get taken advantage of. Can you? Can you? Jesus, we know he gave his life, right? So it's not saying people took his life, he gave it. And she said, I'm bad enough to lay my life down and pick it back up again. He says, no man takes my life from me. I'm laying it down and I'm going to pick it back up. He made a statement that no one else in history has ever said. He says, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to lay it down. Three days. Three days. Pick it back up again. And nobody was out of tune with a welcome back Jesus sign. Jesus told him in advance what was going to happen. But notice, when he was crucified, wasn't the only time people tried to kill him. 
Read the Gospels. They tried it again and again. They tried to throw him off a cliff. They tried to stone him. They tried to grab him in a mob. And then Jesus would do something like Batman. He'd just disappear. How do you disappear in the midst of a mob? They're all looking at you. And all of a sudden, they can't find you. Where did he go? Where did he go? Where did he go? It says, the scripture says, he hid himself. Darkness can't comprehend the light. And so if you give yourself to live in my faith and walk in love, even if you get in a tight situation, God's got you. He's got you. Just don't put yourself in a tight situation because they see if it works. You need to keep your tail where the Holy Ghost tells you to be. Ooh, let's see if I get delivered over here. Don't do that. Follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And if you follow his lead, you'll always be at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things for the right reason. And that, in of itself, is a weapon. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Right living and walking in love is a weapon. If you're watching online, go ahead and type it in in the chat. Say, right living and walking in love is a weapon. Right living and walking in love is a weapon. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to start with verse 4. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on his own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. Ooh, we can preach like an eight-week series on that one alone. Touchy, because we got some touchy Christians. Especially if you say anything about politics. Touchy. eight-week series <laughs> or fretful or resentful it takes no account of the evil done to it it pays no attention to a suffer wrong what is it saying it doesn't keep score keep score of the good things people do for you that's a good thing but it doesn't keep score of the bad things Remember, it's a weapon. It always gets quiet when I read this in the passage. I can even hear the quietness from online. Come on, give me a few amens online. You know, I'm going to pull the bishop butler. Give me three hallelujahs on right, online right now. Come on, online, come on. Say it out loud and type it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't get quiet on me online. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail. 
Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Believe the best of every person is a weapon. You know, it's that every person, every single one of them, the current president and the next president. It didn't say everybody but the politicians. The best of every person. So, you know, if I'm consumed with conspiracy theories about people, maybe, just maybe, I'm not believing the best about people. Maybe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should stop praying against people and praying for people. I bind that person. Why are you binding a person? I thought it was a loose people. Bind the devil, loose the people. I bind that policy. Why are you? The Bible says to pray for those who are in authority. That phrase means on their behalf. Pray on their behalf. What would you pray for yourself? You want someone to bind you? Do you want somebody in, in their prayer closet? I bind sister so-and-so. I bind brother so-and-so. Hit him with a lightning bolt, Jesus. Hit him with a lightning bolt. A brick from heaven. A gold brick upside the hard head. You don't want people praying like that for you. So why are you praying like that for others? You pray on their behalf. What would you like people to pray for you? Lord, give them mercy. Lord, I know what they did was stupid, but give them another chance. I, I know it's been a thousand chances, but a few more. I would like you to change the next one, but they may need me like a thousand more. Lord, give them mercy. Lord, be patient with them like you've been patient with me. Lord, forgive them what they did. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them and help them not do the same thing again. Oh, Father, I cover them with the blood of Jesus. I realize they must be under a lot of stress right now. Do you know how much stress you're under to run the free world? To lead the free world? I remember listening to an interview with a former Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, and she said, someone interviewed her and said, well, what is it, how does it feel no longer to be Secretary of State? She says, you know, I can wake up in the morning and read the newspaper and know I have to do a thing about it. Could you imagine waking up every day, seeing a news report, and you have to do something about it? There's a reason why President Obama went to office and said, all black, and now when he left, it looked a little different. There's a reason when you look at President Bush texting all full of energy, going in office on the way out, like, God bless y'all. I'm going back to Texas, y'all leave me alone. Could you imagine that pressure, that stress, and you have people praying against you? Not on your behalf? Because you talk to a lot of them that says, oh, I'm praying for you, please do. Here's what I need you to pray for, like right now. Go ahead, pray, intercede, supplicate. They may not speak in tongues, but they want you to speak in tongues. We're not supposed to be praying against these people, praying for them on their behalf, praying the word of God, praying in the spirit, and not consumed with conspiracy. There's a problem when we sound more like the news networks and conspiracy theories and politicians than the body of Christ. There is a problem. I thought we were supposed to be influenced by the word of God. And influenced by the Holy Ghost. 
not the spirit of this age. Because we're influenced by the word of God and the spirit of God, we cry for righteousness and justice. It's not either or, it's both. You don't got to choose, it's both. And by leading by the Spirit of God, you can stand up and you can require your politicians to do both. Oh, which one? No, no, no. Both. Well, how? Figure it out. I'll pray for you, but we hired you to do this job. Because you, here's something else we got to realize. Politicians work for you. You sent them to do a job, Right? And so I had shared this a couple of weeks ago, and someone mentioned that in our Men of Faith group this week, that I said, you know, pray for all those who are in authority. And I said, yes, government leadership. But when you look at how the United States is formed, the authority is in the hand of the voter. It's in the hand of the American citizen. So pray for Americans to think clearly. Because you can complain all day you want on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat. And, well, Parlo doesn't exist anymore, but there too. And it does nothing. I just wonder, just wonder, just wonder, just if the Christians would pray as much as they complained, what would happen in this nation? If we actually paid attention to the word of God, like we do CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and all the others, what would happen? Because how many know that watching the news all day, every day, I'm not saying you're breaking news for something that happened and getting the information, but all day, every day, and looking at the word for 30 seconds, how many know you may end up unbalanced? You may not be as strong as you should be. Because how many know if you quote your favorite commentator and news anchor, demons don't run? Well, in the name of Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson, nothing's going to happen. God bless both of those men. Nothing against them. But you can speak that out and nothing changes. But if you speak the word of God under the unction of God, in the authority of Jesus, something happens. So maybe, just maybe, we got to fill up on this instead of everything else. Remember, it's a weapon. And maybe, just maybe, different pockets of society in the world hasn't seen the church as essential because we've been full of the world instead of the word that we've been bending to the will of politicians instead of the will of the Holy Ghost. Because I don't need a governor to tell me I'm essential. I already know it. I know it. I don't need... Thank you for the pat on the back. I know it, but what the Holy Ghost told us. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, is the most powerful institution in the earth Ever. A mystery hidden in God before the ages of this world. We know who we are, but we need to act like it. We need to get full of the word and the Holy Ghost and stand up like we actually believe we have more power than we actually need. That we believe if we stand up, something's going to happen. 
something's going to change. But what if it doesn't? Keep standing. I'm so glad that at the first sign of resistance, Dr. King did not quit. It was a years of struggle. And even what he did was on the shoulders of others who struggled for decades and years. And even what we do today is standing on their shoulders. Making a difference for those who come after us. I remember this quote from Senator Tim Scott from years ago, uh, the senator from South Carolina. And he was talking about things he experienced growing up in this nation. And he said, I know I take more than I should and put up with more than I should, but I do it so the person who comes after me doesn't have to. That's powerful. That I'm not just living for myself, but understand there are those who come after me. That if I take a stand of faith and power and love and living right according to the word of God, I'm making a difference for those who come after me. Blazing a trail so they can walk it. So they don't have to go through the same things I went through. But now their views of some things in life is easy. Of course that couldn't happen. Why? Because we made the way. That's what people do when they believe. What power they have can make a difference. And the thing is, we're not guessing where our power comes from. Oh, it comes from the universe. Oh, if the stars are aligned. Oh, because I'm a Capricorn. We're not guessing where our power comes from. We know where our power comes from. We know, we know whom we've believed. And we know that through him, we can do it. As we said last week, all those who know God shall be strong and do. What is your relationship with God causing you to do? What is your relationship with God causing you to do? That the time you have with him in the word and in prayer and in worship and praise every day, what is it motivating you to do? See, the ways of the word of God, the wisdom of God will cause you to be stable. One of the things people need in an unstable time is stable people. I saw someone post yesterday, said, you know, I'm ready for some precedented times. I'm tired of the unprecedented. I'm ready for some precedented times. And in unprecedented times, people aren't always as stable as they could be because the world is always shaking and moving. But what if, just what if, just what if there was a stable people called the church? That when you see the parable of Jesus, how the parable of that seed being sown and it grew up and became the greatest tree so that all the fowls of the air could rest on their branches. Because the fowls won't be that stable. The birds can't do it on their own, but if there's a stable person, they can lean on that person until they understand how to become stable on their own. That if your relation with God calls you to be stable, people will lean on you. And they should 
God lives in you. And as they lean, you can tell them about your Jesus and what he's done in their life. And as you get them saved, they're still leaning because they're still a baby. Come on, when babies coming in the world, we don't say, well, I got you in here. Shake the little hand and say, God bless you. Send me a card. We don't do that. It's a whole lot of work. For years. And years. Even after they're 18. And years. Years. So why do we think Christians are different? Well, they've been saved five years. And? Well, they got saved five days ago. Hold them by the hand. Precious Lord. Take my, yes, take them by the hand on behalf of Jesus. Don't let them go. They don't know what they're doing. And don't get upset with them just because they testified and cussed. God is working on them. It's a process. Some of you have been saved 20 years and got some words y'all need to work out. Don't give up on people. Walk with them. You become stable enough where they can lean on you. That you've walked with God long enough that you're stable. That the earthquakes, spiritual earthquakes of this world doesn't unroot you. The storms of life doesn't unroot you. That you know how to go through something and stay rooted. And stay grounded. And be stable. Because people that you don't even realize are watching you are watching you. Trying to see if this Jesus thing is real. They're just watching. They may never tell you immediately. Maybe 10 years, 20 years down the line. And remind you of something you went through that you forgot about by now. But because they saw you go through it and be stable, they had hope in God. We have to keep walking with God to a place where we're stable, where other people can lean on us. And it's not just the five-fold ministry gifts that people should lean on. It's the church. All of us. That we're so full of the love of God. People feel like they belong even before they believe. That it doesn't matter what belief system they have, what religion they're coming from, even what cult they're coming from, they get around you and they sense peace. They may even start a conversation. I don't believe anything you believe, but I know you pray, so I need you to pray for me. And then you have enough confidence, you know, if I pray, it's going to happen. So you get ready for it. If I pray, something's going to change. I don't play with this. I don't just play pray. It's going to happen. We have to come up, church, and be stable so people can lean on us. Be full with the power and the love of God. Believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. A people of hope. A people that keep hope alive. A people of dreamers. Always thinking about how to make something better. Innovators. Dreamers. People of hope. Because the thing is, some of us, now we know Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. Whether it's tonight or 100 years from now, it's still soon. It's sooner than it's ever been. But just because he's coming soon doesn't mean we should stop hoping and dreaming and planning for a better future. 
Too many people give up on this nation. Well, Jesus came back. You saw what happened in 2020? Jesus must come back in 2021. Says who? When you look at the scriptures, he's not coming back when someone expects it. That's not how it happens. But too many of us have gotten to a place of having bad theology because we think that every time something bad happens, that means Jesus is coming back tomorrow. So instead of stepping up and helping people, we run to our prayer closet to make sure we're still saved. Shabba shabba a little bit. Like, am I living right? And, All right, I'm ready, Jesus. And you wait, nothing happens. You go back to your everyday life. But maybe, just maybe, when Jesus comes back, he finds the church doing what it was meant to do. He says, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? Faith is action. Well, I find faith doing what it's supposed to do. Well, I find my church doing what I called it to do. Not hiding away in their prayer closets. Yes, the prayer on our list should be, come, Lord Jesus, come. But it doesn't mean we hide away and wait. Because think about it, if we keep hiding and waiting, the world gets worse. Well, pastor, don't you know what it says about the last days? Yes. But I live here in the last days, so I want to make it the best last days possible. Oh, don't you know since kids are going to be disappearing parents? Not in my house. Maybe in your house. No. Well, don't you know hearts will fail them from fears in the last day? Not in my house. Yes, it's going to happen to somebody, but I'm not volunteering for the fulfillment of that prophecy. Oh, don't you know the hearts of many will grow cold? Not my heart. Doesn't matter what happened in the Capitol. Doesn't matter what happened with the incoming or outgoing president. My heart. I refuse to let it grow cold. It's a choice. Yes, these things go on in the last days. But what will you do? It says you're the salt of the earth. It says you're the light of this world. And then it say you become less salty because the end times are here. This is the time to get more salty. It doesn't say just because the world is darker that you hide your light. Get brighter. We're here for a reason. You have to understand before Jesus comes back, he's coming for a church glorious without spot or wrinkle. It is an interesting thing when you think about it because there'll be two groups of people living at that time. A group so glorious Jesus comes back for. But a group so depraved they receive the Antichrist. So don't be distracted by what sinners do. You know what they're going to do? Sin. They've done it all their lives. Don't expect them to start now. How about you just be glorious and look for opportunities to snatch people out of hellfire? Now that's I know this quote from Leonard Ravenhill. If people must go to hell, let them go jumping over us as we are on our knees praying for them, holding them by their legs, pleading and imploring them not to go. If they must go, let them go over all of our tears and all of our exertions to keep them from going to hell. Not just saying, well, go ahead. Gasoline draws on, go ahead. Maybe, just maybe, we're here for such a time as this to ignite an awakening. 
that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of love of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, we can be our own personal revival. Not even looking, coming to revival experiences, revival services, but I'm a living, walking, breathing, talking, revival. If I go somewhere, revival went somewhere. If I go somewhere, awakening went somewhere. That's who I am. That's what's in me. The world needs you to be who God called you to be. The world needs you to follow the Holy Ghost. The world needs you to be full of the Word to make a difference. His hopes are faithless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Means you don't have to grow weak. You don't have to grow tired. You don't have to faint or get weary along the way. For all those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Remember, it's not your ability. It's his. And there's no running out, searching out his ability. If you need more, you just receive it. You can even say, Father, I need some more strength today. And you go down the line of what you want strength for and ask him for it and you receive it, and you make your decision, you know what, I asked for it, I received it, so I have it, so I'm going to act like it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You making a decision to walk in love and live right is a weapon. All weapons need to be in use right now. This world needs us. This nation needs us. It's our time. So, don't give up. Don't give in. And don't get tired. Even for those who've been serving God for decades now. So I've been walking with God for 50, 60, 70 years. Good. Now you know a little bit of something. We need you around. Don't think about checking out early. We need you. There's so many people. You know, I've done personally, I've pulled aside some seniors before, connected with some of the younger generations that they don't have parents or grandparents around. They need you to teach them spiritual things and natural things. Help them. Titus chapter 2. Y'all should meet. All right, you got to meet. Help them. You watch out for them, and you watch out for them. We do this together. So that means you may have someone younger who don't know how to cook or do anything. And you mamas who've been saved and doing stuff for a long time, you gotta help them. But there may be some technology you have no idea how to use. You're like, what in the world is this? And so you just do the reverse call. Now baby, I know I just gave you the recipe, but how do I open up this Zoom call? Walk me through this. Both sides. We're strong as we live together. As we check on each other. As we love on each other. As we go to faith groups. As we call people. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a little while. I haven't seen you online. Which one have you been watching? You on Facebook? You on YouTube? There's one check. You on the app? Oh, you haven't watched a few weeks? Why? Come on, let's catch up together. Anything I can pray for you about? What's going on in your life? 
It's all of us together. Those who desire friends must show themselves friendly. So some of you watching say, well, I just wish somebody would call me. Well, why don't you call somebody? Start there. Well, I don't have their number. Message them on Facebook. Or you're on a place where you can type in the chat. Just say hi. Like if you say hi right now, somebody's going to like it and love it and say hi back. It's a start. And we're about to roll out a feature within our Faith Plus app that will allow you guys to message each other. And every member of Faith Christian Center will be able to message other members. You'll be able to message within your uh, Woman of Virtue group, your Men of Faith groups, the Ushers groups, the Praise and Worship group. You'll be able to stay in contact and not have to use up text messages or your data plan. So don't say, well, Jesus, I can't talk to someone. You know how my data plan is set up. We need each other. Well, I'm an introvert. Well, love through your introvertedness. You can say hi from a distance. I didn't say you had to go meet them. I said reach out, call, text, email, carrier pigeon, something. We need each other. We can't do this by ourselves. We're not strong just as individuals. We're strong as the church. It's not I am faith. It's we our faith. We need each other. This is a family of faith. This is a faith family. We have to look out for each other. And we'll fight this fight of faith together. And don't be afraid to ask someone to pray for you if you're going through something. It's like, oh, I don't want, to think, I want them to think I'm weak. Pray. Ask someone to pray for you. I'm so glad to have people praying for me. I'm so grateful. Because there's some days where I go, Lord, is someone praying for me today? I just thank God someone's praying for me today. You can ask one, hey, pray for me. Come on, you should have some relationships that you don't even have to give explanation, just text, pray for me. And they'll pray for you and later check on. So what was going on that I just prayed you through? We need that in our lives. Every single one of us, no matter how long you've been saved, Someone's like, well, I don't want people to think I'm needy. Well, you are needy, but just own it. You is where you is. You need the help that you need. So take advantage of the help, help. And look for opportunities to help others. That's how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we get stronger. That's how we become more stable. That's what we do. We are faith. We're doing this together. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We love others as Jesus loves us. We think the best of every person. That's what love does. We stay being dreamers and innovators and people who believe that the best is yet to come. Keeping our eyes even on the future of what, what can we do better in the future? Well, what if I do all those plans and Jesus comes back tonight? Well, you are still following the scripture because you're being a person of hope. But what if he doesn't come back for 100 years? And you were able to implement all those plans that people came to Jesus. What if you're not planning because you think he's coming back tonight? What time, what are you missing out on? 
Who's missing out on your gift? Yes, he's coming soon. But one of the things I was always trained as, as an individual and as a minister, yes, live like he comes back tonight, but plan like he won't come back for a thousand years. We're here for a reason. And we live our lives in service to God and unto others. Filled with the love of God, the wisdom of God, the faith of God, the power of God, the very glory of God. So that we can fight the good fight of faith and win and experience victory. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.